Any car brave enough to withstand a decade's worth of multi-state family voyages is worth treating to some quality parts and Napa know-how. Coolant for the Death Valley trip, wiper blades for the Pacific Northwest, air fresheners for the Southwest Chili Cook-Off. Yeah, with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your road warrior running longer, stronger, for many more vacations to come. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home every day. And now, here's Jerry Springer. Oh, oh you're making me blush. You're making me blush. Hey, Jerry, could I uh, say something to you? And I've kind of waited to say this publicly, but you and I have been friends for 45 years. So you came to Cincinnati... And, and uh, mid-69, 69, 69, yeah. To do what, by the way? Uh, well, to start practicing law and uh, with a law firm here. And uh, then I got immediately in, involved in Vote 19. Remember, there was a... Yep. Back then, you had to be 21 to vote in every place in the country except Kentucky and Georgia, where you could be 18. But the rest of the country, you had to be 21. And this was in the middle of the Vietnam War. And there were many of us who thought, hey, wait a second, if our, you know, we could go and fight and die, the same kids that are going over there and doing that, making that sacrifice, not have a voice in, you know, who makes these decisions, not be able to vote. It just, and it was interesting because, and so we started this campaign to lower the voting age in Ohio to uh, 19. And uh, and that was my first uh, first involvement. And we became friends early on, along with yeah. our spouses. And um, the compliment I want to give you, and it's heartfelt, is you are the most honest person I know. Now, see, that's that. <laughs> now, that's, now, see, he that, that, hit the test button because this no, is the this is the no. you lie, and it's yeah. a when, whenever you thing. say something that isn't the truth, this goes like that. Well, yeah, but you're hitting yeah. the test button because no, the fact is, I am telling the truth. Well, let me hold up my hand. And okay, I'll show you. what? Jerry Springer is the most honest man I know, and it's not going off because I'm not pushing any button. It measures voice stressors, and I'm Which telling the truth. Which only says that you don't know anyone. You have well, no well, <laughs> well, no, that could yeah. be. But here, but here's the thing. Yeah, what? Here's how I know how honest you are. What? We've been playing golf. We don't play a lot of golf. I don't yeah. play a lot of golf. Yeah. You play a lot of I golf. I don't play a you lot play of golf. golf. You always say that I play, you play and that's a lot why, of golf. And that's why you're always asking for strokes. Well, that's where totally I want to go. And Megan, let me tell you this, <laughs> Megan. Every hole we've played for the last 45 years, we've bet on. We bet on every yes. hole. And Jerry... And that's uh, why I'm not allowed in the uh, Hall of Fame of golf. <laughs> yeah, that, that because I've bet on golf. Well, you have, and you admitted that you have. But he, but he never ever cheats. If I'm got the scorecard and really? I say <laughs> no, no, and I say really? no, well, the I, reason, but there's a but reason I do. Why? Well, <laughs> lessons are so expensive. Yes. And if you cheat, you don't need to take lessons. You can get a good score that way. Aha, I see what you're saying. So a lot of people, you know, they're practicing their strokes, they get upset, they're throwing clubs and all that. No, fill out your card before you start the round. Just The pressure's (laughs) off. You enjoy it. And who's going to know? 
Who in the middle of the week asked you, well, what did you shoot last week? No one, first of all, whatever you say, no one believes it anyway. You know, well, all the money that is wasted on lessons. Okay. I would know because I'm playing like across the fairway from you, usually way behind you because you're a much better golfer. Oh, but yeah. as honest as you are, Jerry, and this is the bone I want to pick. Yes. As honest as you are, you're not a fair person. And here's why I say that. Fair? I've always asked you, in fact, I'm stopping asking you to give me strokes. My therapist has sent me here to this table. And she, my therapist says that my facial tics, a lot of my dysfunction yeah. in life is because I haven't been treated fairly. Yeah. And she has told me to tell is you that, that you should reason? be giving me three <laughs> strokes a hole when yes. we play. And that that's coming give... from my therapist, not from me. I'm no yeah. longer asking that. Yes. You need to give me three strokes a hole. I've learned to live with your tics. I'll yeah. <laughs> You'll take the tics. I don't care. Tick away. Yeah. I am not giving you. So that well, is ridiculous. Hey, Jerry, you work for Bobby Kennedy when yes. you were just out of college. I swear to God, if Bobby Kennedy was sitting right here next to me, yeah. because he was a man of fairness, and you know yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> would turn to you and say, yeah. give Gene Galvin three strokes a hole. Yeah. So now it's not coming no. from me, it's coming from Bobby Kennedy yeah. and from my therapist. Yeah. You need no. to give me three strokes what a hole. What Bobby Kennedy would say, uh, is uh, Gene uh, your friend? And I'd say, yeah. And he says, uh, I think you can do better in friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah. I actually was pretty good. That's a pretty good one. Hey, let me ask uh, you a question. Uh, what is that, Gene? Speaking, <laughs> speaking of golf. Yes. I remember a time we were playing you. Oh, you're not going to bring me, that up. That's... Our mutual friend, Lewis. Yes. And your pilot of your a big King Air corporate jet, VJ. Yeah. He's from Texas. Pilots have to be from Texas. They you, have to be from Texas. You want your doctor to be Jewish and your pilot to be from Texas. <laughs> here, yeah. So do you remember this, Jerry? We look up and our friend Lewis. Yes. We saw some guys appear ahead of us on the course. And I they weren't that. there before. Now there had oh, been yeah, a huge thought, thunderstorm. Yeah. And so we don't know maybe those guys scattered off the course. And we thought those guys just cut ahead and of Lewis us. And Lewis thought they cut ahead of us. Yeah. Now, here's the point. Lewis, our friend, stupidly goes down to confront them. And says, hey, you're cutting in front of you. are right. Now saying, they look doing? like pipe fitters, like local guys. They, they look like us. some serious dudes. Yeah. And the fact is, a fight was about to start. That's not a joke. Lewis that is, is true. up there I, facing four guys. VJ looks at me and is like, oh, Jesus, we got to go up. Because you have to help your friend. And VJ is the only one of us that could fight. Yeah. And so he's like, I got to go up there. I got to fight four that. guys. <laughs> this is true. And me, a man of part. honor, and I go up saying, I'll go up and get, let somebody pound You're my face into jelly. Why well, are we kick my arguing? Ass. Why are we starting a physical? We are grown men, mm. older men. Mm. You're going to start a physical fight on a golf course because these people we thought cut in ahead of us. Really? So I'm walking down with you. Yeah, that well, would happen to you. Because well, that's the yeah, point I want to bring up. I veered off a bit into the woods. Wait, you you did literally, what? literally went <laughs> into... What? I Megan, could have been hurt. <laughs> Megan, he slinked into the woods. He slithered into I the woods. Get in a I could get you hurt. You let your friends potentially get in a fight and you ran into yeah, the woods. I didn't start the fight. It, this is... I, I, wow. I had a show on Monday. Oh, for the love <laughs> what of God. What if I show up? With a bloody nose. I have gone guy. through 25 years of a show never getting hit. 
I'm going to be on a golf course someplace in Michigan playing with you guys, and now we're going to get into Wait, on something stupid. They really were going to get in a fight. They had golf clubs. These guys were tough. So I didn't, it wasn't like I ran away. I was just walking slower how, how than they were. How would you define it, Gene? How, how yeah. did he run he away? He into the I woods. Said, guys, like, I, I couldn't it. see him anymore. He was I behind had, trees. They <laughs> didn't have trees. a restroom there. And <laughs> I'm, I'm going up there to get my ass kicked, Megan. I'm going to get my ass kicked for Lewis. Let's go for Lewis. I'm like, Not where's Jerry? I would have so sent some wise. money in a fight. <laughs> Four guys like, and VJ saying to me, which one do you want? I'm like, are you kidding uh, me? Go ask them when I which went one wants to kick my ass. No, I did. I went How in the woods. How big is VJ? I gotta I get this mental. Uh, VJ can bathroom. fight. Like, he's legit. So VJ's VJ far, can hurt plug people. Kind yeah. of yeah. VJ he's from fight. Texas. Yeah, he's like, you, you, you know. Yeah, you don't get citizenship in Texas. And that poor guy was like, I gotta fight four guys. Now, Here's how this ends. So Jared, so Lewis then realizes he's totally screwed up. He calls the clubhouse. The clubhouse says, those guys are legit. They're okay. They just got they off are the course. They are ahead of you. So we were, <laughs> we, I didn't bring it up. Lewis was wrong. I'm throwing him under the bus. Yeah, all right. Lewis was wrong. Those guys, so we were picking a fight, which was absurd. And we were totally in the wrong. Now, I'm in the woods because I said I had to go to the bathroom. Yeah, right. Cowering so he sees, like so an eight-year-old girl he, And he reads, he reads Megan the body language and know that it's all like the temperature's lowered. And Lewis now is profusely apologizing. Oh, I'm such a dick. I shouldn't have out. done that. Because so I'm they, a diplomat. Yeah. And they yeah. see now for the first time they see it's Jerry Springer. Yeah. They recognize him. And they're like, we've been pumped. We're on <laughs> pumped. That's it. We're on yeah, pumped. They no way this they is were real on life. TV. <laughs> But now they're standing around for pictures. No, they one was pictures. Tickets to the pictures, show. Take tickets to the show. Everything. How they long ago was buddies. this? Two uh, years ago. Are you serious? Two summers two ago. ago. Yes, recently. Yeah. Just really. Unbelievable. Uh, Jerry, yeah. you uh, were, you're an immigrant. My yes. parents, my yes. mother was an immigrant from Italy, but you are literally an immigrant. Well, tell us your immigrant story, and I'd be curious as to your, what I think might be a unique take on this whole immigration debate that's raging across America, particularly with the Republican primaries. Well, I, I, I tell you what's interesting now, because, you know, I thought we... We, you know, we had talked and we'd be talking about this in the show. But coincidentally, uh, Mickey and I down in Sarasota went to a play this weekend called Sote Voce. It means whispering voice. And it's, it's a love story. It's a great play if you ever get a chance to see it. And it's a love story. But the backdrop of it is a true story. It is a, sh a Cuban ship that in 1939 took 900 people from Germany and 800 of the people on the ship were Jews. And this was 1939 when Hitler was at his peak just before the war started and they wanted to leave. So the, the ship, Cuban ship, tried to dock in Cuba, but it had 800 Jews on it and the Cuban government would ref refuse to take the Jews in. So the ship was sent away and it then stopped here in Miami, not our finest hour for America, and America turned the ship away because they had already let too many Jews in, according to its quota. So the ship, um, the ship had to go back to uh, Germany, or, or to Europe, and various European countries took the Jews in. But then, of course, Hitler invaded the Netherlands and all, you know, all the countries of Europe. And it turned out that uh, I think 270 of the Jews were then exterminated in the camps. That 
is similar to my family's story because my family was many of them. My mom, my grandparents, uncles, aunts, and cousins were exterminated in the camps. My mom's mom was uh, killed, was exterminated in Helmo. And uh, my dad's mom was in Theresienstadt, which is now right outside of Prague. And my dad's brother was in um, Auschwitz. Well, the stories, we've all heard them, etc. Anyway, miraculously, mom and dad, two weeks before Hitler went into Poland, Hitler went into Poland on September 1st of 1939. And uh, August 17th of 1939, my mom and dad finally got a visa to leave Germany. So even though the rest of their family was not able to get out, mom and dad were. Uh, mom was pregnant with my sister, and they got to England. America wouldn't take us yet, but they, they got to England when my sister was born uh, the next month, and then a few years later during the war, I was born. But their goal had always been to come to America because they had now lived through two world wars and lost their family, etc. And they really believed that... The only hope was America, ultimately. They believed the Statue of Liberty, etc. And uh, so they got to England where my sister and I were born. And then when I was five, because they believed America was it, uh, they bought four tickets on the Queen Mary and we sailed into the New York Harbor in 19, January of 49. The trip to America on the Queen Mary for a five-year-old boy was awfully exciting. Of course, I didn't know anything about the history. I'm a little boy. And just being on the Queen Mary was like, whoa. Evelyn and I had never seen an elevator before. We lived in a four-story flat in England. The Queen Mary had elevators and, you know, shops and movie theaters and everything. I mean, it was, um, it was the largest ship in the world at the time. So that was all exciting. And I have a memory of the day we docked in the New York Harbor. Because when you're five, you have some memories, and this was a very clear one. And what I remember is all of us were called up on the top deck of the Queen Mary as we sailed into the harbor. And understand, this is January of, actually, January 24th of 1949. It's freezing cold in New York. I mean, it was numbingly cold. So my memory is 2,000 people on this top deck, freezing cold, you know, and what are we doing standing out here? In this weather, what are we looking at? And we were looking at what turned out to be the Statue of Liberty. And my mom, in, uh, in years later, would tell me the story about I had asked her, what, what are we looking at? You know, uh, and she said, the Statue of Liberty. And I said, what does it mean? And she said in the German she spoke at the time, Ein Tag alles, one day it'll mean everything. And she was right. And... What personalizes this whole immigration debate that we so flippantly and, well, I won't say flippantly, some people get viciously angry about immigration and we're going to set up a wall along the southern coast of America. It's like a knife in the back because, you know, I want to say these people, you don't understand the symbol of America, the magnet of America, why everyone to this day is still trying to get here is the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your hungry, your poor. That's the magnet. The symbol of America cannot be a wall. That's everything we stand against, whether when we were fighting communism, you know, Gorbachev, tear down this wall, the whole bit. 
that's not what America is. And we are, except for Native Americans, all immigrants. Somewhere along your line, your family came over. And imagine if after you guys got over, or just before you guys got over, the, the group before said, set up the wall, no more people coming in. Just this weekend, we read this horrible headline of Italy, uh, a, a boat leaving uh, Libya, almost a thousand people drowned. That's how badly they just want to get out. People want to do the best for their families that they can. And they have all different reasons for wanting to get to a better place. For those people, it was at least to get to Europe. And with our case, these people are coming over and maybe they don't follow every rule. But if it were your family and your child and your survival, what wouldn't you do to survive or make life better for them? And now we want to say to these anywhere from 12 to 20 million immigrants who are in this country, perhaps, quote, illegally, but they have children who were born here in America, and maybe just one of the parents was the one that came over and isn't, quote, legal. Would any of us say to that child, I'm sorry, mom has to leave. We're going to split up your family. She's got to go back to Mexico or wherever it is. I mean, where's the sense of decency? Forget politics. I mean, how, how can any of us say that? Just as human beings, why is that? Why do we cheer that? Let's vote for this guy. He's tough on immigration. Really? What is America other than immigration? Our great scientists, you don't think they came from someplace else? We all came from someplace else. Einstein, Werner von Braun, who switched sides and, you know, so we got the nukes instead of the Soviets. I mean, everything we do, all these great technology came from someplace else. You cut off immigration, you cut off the future of America. We're finished competing. It'll be inbreeding. If the only people we give birth to in this country are going to be people that have only been here, we will not get the best of what this planet has to offer, which America has been. And it's been that because of immigration. As friends for 45 years, I don't mean to draw you into that. I, that's a hard for you to talk about it, but we appreciate hearing it. It's a powerful story. Let me ask you one other thing about immigration, because you're such a political person. You have such a astute political mind. I've known that for all these years, too. How do you analyze the politics of the various people who line up in these different positions on immigration? Typically, Democrats tend to say, hey, the 12 to 20 that are here, let's find, call it amnesty, call it what, what you want. Republicans are more harder line, but how do you analyze the politics? Is this like gay marriage, marijuana reform? Is this an issue that uh, masses are embracing as leave these 12 to 20 alone? Well, what do you think? Once again, liberals ultimately will win on this issue simply because the demographics of America are changing. And even though who run as conservatives, Republicans are starting to figure out we've got to do something. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's possible that the Republican candidate for president will be relatively good on this issue. If the Republicans nominated Jeb Bush or Rubio, et cetera, uh, it may not be so good if they, you know, not nominate a Cruz or something like that. A younger generation will be much more open to this, much more understanding. It's just, it sounds so partisan, but 
if we would just say, what is the decent thing to do? I think you would always wind up on the liberal side of an issue, almost always. Just as Robert Kennedy would argue with me on behalf of you giving me three strokes a hole, that he would be for uh, allowing immigrants to stay here. Bobby Kennedy would be with me on both of those issues. Uh, so certainly on the latter. Yeah. <laughs> on the former, you're, you have a dream. <laughs> <it's> a, yeah. <laughs> How do you see it as part of the younger generation? How do your friends see it? Well, I, it's not an issue. It, I mean, honestly, it, when we're talking about, Jerry's correct, it's, it's, the younger you get, it's not a conversation because I think we tend to see things and a little bit less of that, you know, us versus them mentality. We're very much embracing the fact that in order for America to move forward and be the best country that it can be, you need as much variety as you can possibly get. So with the exception of some very, very hard-lined um, right-wing friends, I would say it's very, very open-minded. And, and I think technology... Oh, there's no barrier. ...is really helped right. Mm-hmm. In, in other words, xenophobia is on its way out with the media today and and with technology today and, you know, the world is flat. Yeah, it's starting. It's very exciting. Like, I look at my niece. I look at the stuff that they're seeing in technology and it's it's just, it's a smaller world. I visited with my daughter, my wife, who's in the audience here. uh, And you agree I should be getting three strokes a hole because you've been around some of those games. So add her to the list too, Jerry. But anyway. she thinks you're dumb as doornails. Well, (laughs) that's that's true. She chose him, remember. She married him. You don't find the kids today saying dumb as doornails. No, 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 you don't, no. sir. No, yeah. you don't. Like dumb as a pile of rocks, maybe. But hey, uh, bag of hammers. My, yeah, there you go. My daughter's friends in Orlando, and her husband David, and they have a grandson, Reese. And so it was Reese's birthday, and we go to this birthday party, and they work for Disney and other entertainment venues in Florida, and all of their friends are people of all different colors and sexual orientations. It feels really good to me as a much older guy and seeing country go through all these ebbs and flows, but uh, Florida and other probably border states, it's just all different. And it's the generation you're talking about mm-hmm. too, Megan. And yep. it's, I think it's very cool to see that. So Yeah. And we don't necessarily see it quite as much here in the greater Cincinnati area. It tends to be pretty homogenous around here. But as soon as you get to get any coastal, anything like that, it's, it's just so much, it's, and it's so vibrant. There's so much going on. There's yeah. so, you know, you get different parts of the a area. Different music, a lot yeah, of different, different Yeah, and it comes and, to the middle of the country. I mean, yeah. it's getting here. We're, we're seeing that now with where we are tonight, but yep. it's, it's certainly got a, what, with a, that Mark Twain quote, right? Yeah. Ten years later, Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We always look forward to the music segment of this show yeah. because tonight we have a group called the Who Town Holler. And, uh, Who Town? Pat, the Who Town Holler. Well, they'll talk about their name that in a town, second. Not yeah, Who it's town. A g- We're one third immigrant. Elias uh, was born in Moscow. There we go. Oh. There you go. Uh, Welcome, but you'll have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to leave here, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Patrick, what song are you guys going to do? I got one that was cleared with the censor. It's called Goddamn Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Side. 
question where did you get that name what is uh, it? Who Town Holler I, might have, I got a nickname my nickname was Patrick Who and I had a friend of mine Patrick Who yeah, yeah it goes yeah. on and on yeah. anyway, <laughs> a, a friend of mine that it was we had a spat and I hadn't talked to him for six or seven months and a mutual friend texted him and said Pat's playing at so-and-so and he texted back Pat Who so I got on Facebook right away because I knew he was on Facebook and changed my name to Patrick Who. So. Yeah. <laughs> got, like well, said, that's great. So, yeah. Are so you guys? Are you talking now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah we're talking. Okay. We'll see. There you go. <laughs> By the way, let me, let me introduce some members of this group. Yeah. We have Ilya Burkhart on the bass, and. Uh, yes. Chris Goins on guitar. And Patrick Hu uh, playing guitar, yeah. doing the vocals, and you wrote that song. It's a good one. Thank you. Uh, where are you guys playing? Uh, we play Friday night at the Wonder Bar. Uh, okay, which is in Cincinnati? In Covington. In Covington, uh, Kentucky. Yeah, Great. Yeah. Up. It was the last, I don't know if anybody has heard about the photographer that's been letting girls strip naked and take pictures of them. What time? What, we didn't know what, it was gonna, you don't know when it's gonna happen. What time, what time do they open? You interview someone, you like to get some information. Just podcast work. But then we, we yeah. have a gig at the Redmore on May the 6th uh, with the Tillers and uh, Mama Drones. And by the way, on a future podcast, we're gonna have the Tillers here and the Mama Drones. And again, we're getting 
just awesome quality of performers. And That's I know super. that Jerry and Megan yeah. and I, and again, I, we appreciate what uh, Casey's doing to make that happen. And other people listening to this who are singer songwriters, all of our stuff is featured original new music. Well, it may not be new, but original music. So people, if, uh, if you're on our website listening to this, or if you're listening on another uh platform, an iPhone or uh, Android, etc. go to our website and look for Songwriter's Stump. And there you can submit a form, send us an MP3, wherever you are in America, and we may bring you in and bring you on the show. We're starting off using local performers because it's just logistically the easiest, but we're going to grow out from here and we still have plenty more good local people coming. So you go to the website first. Go to the website first, look for Songwriter Stump, and it'll all be clear from there. So if you're a performer, songwriter, and you want to communicate with us, we'd be anxious to hear from you. Can you guys please take us out on that old public domain traditional song, Irene Goodnight? You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery, sponsored by the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Hope to see you all again real soon. way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, 
whatever you want. SeatGeek searches multiple ticket sites and compares prices for you, so you can save time and money. Plus, their mobile app is ridiculously easy to use. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase. That's promo code SEATS for $20 off. SeatGeek. Right seat, right now, right from your phone.